Once again, good morning, everyone. I hope you are well today. And um, I just want to reiterate uh, what Pastor Cole said. Um, good job running the marathon and then getting here. Um, <laughs> some of you look good for having run a whole marathon. And so I'm just telling you, it's uh, a privilege to be here together and worship. Um, guys, I wanted to um, say two things. Um, number one, we had a lot going on in the news this past weekend. And um, several people have um, wanted to uh, just really process biblically, um, like all that's um, been going on in d- different court cases that's b- that have been taking place, and we want to be sensitive to that. And so what we want to do is say that if there is anybody who's trying to process these things um, biblically, um, then please do talk with us after the service. Um, we'd be happy to talk with you. We'd be happy to pray alongside of you. And we're praying that God's will would be done and the kingdom of God, the gospel of God, would continue to go forward in the midst of world events and affairs. Amen. Okay, and so with that in mind, we are going to um, have a special privilege today. Um, This is actually, uh, many of you know him, he is our lead pastor at our sending church uh, in North Carolina. This church was started as a church plant out of a church in North Carolina, and not only was he here yesterday with us and has been here with us the past several years helping to build our church through the um, uh, training of spiritual gifts, but he's here to minister to us today. Uh, We had the privilege of going to college together. Uh, B, uh, Reggie, and I went to uh, college together, and we came up in the Lord together and have really uh, seen God do mighty things, not only here in the U.S., but Reggie literally travels all over the world ministering the gospel, ministering prophetically, and we have him here to do that for us today. So even as he preaches, um, please open your heart to the Word of God, and then afterwards we're going to have a time of ministry and prayer for anyone who would like it, um, and then we'll uh, open it up to that after the service. So if everybody could, please give a warm welcome to Pastor Reggie Roberson. All right, so good to be back with every single one of you. If I have not never met you before, how many of you have never seen my face before? Just raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you, probably about two-thirds of the room. Um, it is so great to be here, um, and uh, as Roland mentioned, I've known the Fishers for uh, a good amount of time now, and uh, it's almost like I don't even want to say how long it is uh, because I was talking to uh, someone recently and uh, I was actually invited in to speak at our alma mater, which is UNC Chapel Hill. And uh, this happened last Thursday. And I was sharing with them that the room that they were in was the room that I was in. And Rollin and B is Murphy Hall. And, they were, and we, too, were in their place listening to people speak the gospel and share the good news. And I... And, and then um, I shared the year, and one of them looked at me. He said, that's when I was born. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness, thanks. You just make me feel real good now before I speak. Uh, anyway, uh, it's been so wonderful knowing uh, the Fishers for such a long time, seeing their children develop and grow. And uh, I got to tell you that they have a genuine, true heart for you uh, they have a heart for the gospel. They have a heart uh, for Jesus to be glorified in this city and the nations. Uh, and it's really a, a privilege to just watch how God has done so much um, through this church as well. So I'm grateful to be here. Um, I just felt like this morning, um, I know you gave me a hand clap, but can we give Jesus a hand clap? Anyone want to give them? Let's just let's do that. We praise you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. 
Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we, we are so grateful for to be able to be here. Lord, uh, we're alive. Um, Lord, this is uh, better than us being in any of the best hospitals in the city uh, on our sick bed. We're grateful to be here. And we believe that you have a purpose for us, Lord, something for us to grasp this morning, something for us to understand and for to impart to us and for it to go deep and begin to produce fruit in our lives. And Lord, we ask that you would make that true in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, just wanted to, to introduce uh, my family here um, for you, the two-thirds of you that uh, have never met my family. So this is my beautiful wife, uh, Bomi. I'm standing next to. She is Nigerian. Um, do we have any Nigerians in here? Uh, we have a few. Okay, so uh, she is uh, from the Yoruba tribe, Yoruba, uh, and I love my, my beautiful wife. Uh, and all of my kids here, they have middle, middle names, are Nigerian. Um, uh, and so there, this one on, the, on my far right here is Nicholas, and he's actually been here this weekend, first time in Chicago. Um, when we were in Orlando, um, we had a chance to taste some deep dish pizza, believe it or not. Apparently, Giordano's has expanded to other places besides Chicago. But we tasted some Giordano's, and it was great. Took a picture of it, sent it to Rollin, said, this is reminding me of good old Chicago. I love this place, and I love that pizza. So we had to. I asked Rollin. I begged him. We got to go to Lou's because he's got to taste the difference between the two. And... <laughs> And choose which one is better. And uh, which one do you think he thought was better? Ah, uh, Giordano's. Sorry for the lose, folk, but he liked Giordano's. Uh, so uh, this is my, um, my, to my far left is my son, David. Uh, lots of stories with him I could share, but he is incredibly energetic and just all over the place, um, and he likes a good fight um, and some pushing and a lot of other things, flipping around. Uh, and then this is my daughter here uh, that I'm holding, Shiloh Kimmy. Uh, we call her uh, Shiloh Kimmy. Shiloh's her first name, but Olua Kimmy's her middle name, so we call her Shiloh Kimmy. Uh, and she is incredibly sweet. So um, this, this uh, message that I'm getting ready to share with you, uh, the theme of it. I actually uh, felt God speaking to me um, about this particular theme, and I didn't. I, I just got one word from God, and it was groundswell. And uh, I, I didn't fully understand what that was, so I had to kind of go and look it up. Groundswell. What does that mean? And it turns out that my kids were watching this TV program, uh, and this TV program was called Plum Landing, and. They, they had this scene, city versus plants, and which one's going to win? And so you had all these people building, you know, city, building the city, building the city, building the city. And then you had them kind of removing the plants, removing the plants as they were building the city. But in the long run, the plants broke through, started to cause the ground to swell, and they broke through, and the plants ended up taking over. So the plants won the fight. And God was speaking to me through this, this imagery, and we can look at this, uh, that, you know, there's, there's something to what God wants to do with this church, where this church is able to literally push back and throw off whatever structures have been put in place, whatever things have been 
put there to keep it down, whether it's been demonic oppression, whether it's just been simple, simply the culture. But I felt like God was saying that this church is going to push those things back in order for the gospel to be expanded and the glory and the light of Jesus Christ to shine through each and every single one of you. And I was just excited about God doing that. And God gave me that picture just like that root, just breaking out of what has confined you what has kept you from really being free and doing what God has called you to do and being who God's called you to be. And so that's groundswell. Now, I know it's a political term technically, but when you look at the origins of the definition of it, what you find is it has to do with things breaking out and literally creating a momentum that starts to transform and change everything around it. Now, that thing is changing things. It's just breaking out. And so that's the, that's the whole theme of this particular time um, as we come together. I want to jump into this text here in, in Acts chapter 19. I want to talk about uh, kind of how they got to this point of groundswell in this particular text, which is pretty amazing um, when you look at this. And I think God's going to speak to us through this particular text. If we can look at Acts 19, 1 through 12. It says that it had happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. So this is uh, these two places are kind of like on the opposite sides. One is in, in Greece, closer to uh, the, the the southern part. The other part is is in is in what they called Asia at that time, which was is, is Turkey. In that particular area. So these places are apart from each other, but Paul was just coming from journeys in Corinth and now he was going to Ephesus. And he had wanted to go to Ephesus before, but this was the time that God was calling him there. And it says, There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, they these people were what? Disciples. I want you to remember that. That's important. They were disciples. And it says that he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? That's a good question, right? Because uh, in that particular culture at that time, baptism wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just water. It was multiple things. In fact, that was a common word used that just meant, meant to dip or to immerse. And so it was a, it's like us saying, what did you get dipped in? You know what I mean? Which is a good question. And then it goes on to say here that they said into John's baptism, and Paul said, John's bapt- John baptized with baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It says there were about 12 men in all. This So all of them received this power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 8 says, And he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in disunbelief, speaking evil on the way before the congregation, 
he withdrew from them, and then he took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years. Everybody say two years. That's important. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. I mean, we can't hide from this stuff in the Bible. It's right there. It's blatantly in our face that there is supernatural things that are taking place. There is a kingdom of darkness that is against us and that we have to actually be connected with God and employ the weapons he's given us so that we can push the darkness back. But that's really not the main part of the, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I want to focus on. I want to talk about three key things I see in this text that I think is going to help us this morning. And it's really a word for us. And, and you may identify with some words, uh, some of these words more than others. And you may identify with other ones more than some. But I believe God's going to speak something to you. So the, the first, these three words I want to highlight are align, then attune, and assign. Align, attune, and assign. I want to talk about the first one, which is align. This is an interesting story because Paul is finally getting the chance to go through Ephesus where he had always wanted to go because that was such a center of influence. How many of you know Chicago is a center of influence? We know that. I mean, you guys are right in the middle of some things. And Paul was wanting to go there so that the gospel could permeate the culture and began to permeate society in a very powerful and amazing way. And he gets there and he meets these disciples. Now, how many of you know being a disciple is a good thing? That's not a bad thing. And he meets them, but as he's having a conversation with them, he discovers that there's some things that are missing in their lives. Now, I want to kind of flip this and look at the disciples' perspective. They're together. There's 12 of them. They're enjoying their lives together. They're sharing. They're doing all these great things. They're living in harmony with one another, but they don't realize that they're missing something. Isn't it interesting how sometimes you could be in a place where you feel like you're enjoying life or you feel like you're connected or you feel like I'm okay, but really you're stuck. Say they were stuck. They didn't have the real full gospel. What they had was great. It was okay. It was good, but it wasn't what God wanted them to have. And so God in his mercy, what he does is he sends them a leader. And this leader is able to help to bring alignment in their lives so that they now are on the path that God wants them to be on related to the gospel. And this is the way he does it. As he's talking with them, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? They say, we haven't even heard of there's a Holy Spirit. I'll make a comment on that in a second. But then he says to them, he says, well, what, into what baptism did you get baptized? And, and they say, into John's baptism. He said, that's really good. 
John's baptism was all about pointing to Christ, that he's going to come in the future and he's going to do something that transforms your life and transforms our world. So that's great. But here's the thing. Jesus has already come. And so what you're living in is you're living in an incomplete purpose and understanding. And so God brings this leader into his life, and then they're able to align. How many of you know that there's something more that God has for you? Just like for them, there's something beyond what you're experiencing, beyond what you understand you know about God, that God wants you to have more. And it was the same thing for them. There was something. God was itching to get a hold of them. But here's how he did it. He aligned them with a particular leader, and that leader, Paul, was able to bring them into this place of having more of God. I appreciate leaders in my life. I'm so glad that I have been properly aligned at times when I have been lacking or I have been missing things. There's so many things that when I first got saved, because I did not read or study the Bible, that I was teaching that it was just off, you know? And I'm so glad that none of that got broadcasted on a radio or on a podcast or something like that. I am so grateful. But God aligned me with leaders that started to help me and understand that I know in our culture, and let's just talk about this for a moment, in our culture, man... It's starting to create, create what I will call dissonance. Anybody, any psych majors in here? I, I'm, I was a psych major, and we, we use this term called dissonance, where, you know, there was, there was a contradiction between what was happening and what you were feeling in your heart or thinking. And, and here's, here's what's going on, is that we celebrate leadership, but we don't celebrate leaders, Think about that for a moment. I mean, we're like, yes, read a book on leadership. I need to increase in my leadership. And, and especially when you're in, in, in the marketplace and business and all these other places. And we're just like, rah, rah, leadership. But then when it comes to leaders, we don't. And why has that been? Because in many points, in many particular uh, public spheres, leaders have failed. Now, have we seen any of that even recently? I can't even begin to talk about that. It's just happening so much. But here's the thing, is that we can't throw, you've probably heard this before, the baby out with the bathwater. There's nothing wrong with leadership. You know what I mean? What's wrong is that when you have bad leaders and they're not properly aligning people with God's purposes. But when you get a good leader, somebody who's after seeing God's purposes in your life, you should celebrate that, not just the leadership, but the leader, because, th- because he's going to bring you in or she's going to bring you into what God has for you. And this is exactly what God has ordained. It's his will for you to be, per- for you to be aligned in this way. And so the first thing we see is the, they accept that. They embrace that. And that's my encouragement for you today is embrace the good leaders, 
Embrace the ones that are after God's heart for you, whether it's your connect group leader, whether it's someone you're serving with, whether it's, it's Pastor Rollin and B, whether it's Cole or uh, Pastor Cole, whatever, whatever it may be, but embrace the leaders you have around you that are good leaders because that's God's will. It's God's will. Now, the second thing here is this word attune. Attune. Now, this, this particularly means to bring into accord and harmonies sympathetic relationship to adjust. And here's what you see happening is that how many of us have ever heard of the theories that, that atoms vibrate at a particular frequency? Anyone ever heard that? So in other words, they're always making a sound. Do you know that your body, your life is making a sound that's vibrating to God? And what's interesting about this is as Paul's in this conversation with them, He's talking with them, and they're sharing stories, man. They're stories about how, you know, how they've been living for God, how they've, uh, they've been reading the Word, and, uh, and that, at that point, it was the Old Testament that they were meditating on, and how they had prayed, and God had answered their prayer. But as Paul is listening to them, he doesn't hear a certain sound coming out of them. It wasn't vibrating with the frequency that he understood to be the frequency of heaven and the Holy Spirit. He said, there's something, it's a good sound, but it's a little off. If, you, if you're a, a, a musician, an instrumentalist, you know, and you're trying to tune your guitar or tune something like that, you can know all three strings or, or the, the strings can be in line, but there could be one that's just off. And he was, he was, he was like, when I strum, when I look at their lives, I'm strumming, and there's one of them that just doesn't sound right. So he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That was the string that was off. Now, he wouldn't have, if he had been around some of his friends and they were talking about their lives and, and all of this, he would never have asked that question, but he asked it because there was something that needed adjustment. It wasn't that it was in the wrong place or that it shouldn't have been. It just needed to be attuned correctly so that it made the right sound completely. And it was harmonious. So here they are. They're talking about their lives. They're talking about everything. And he's listening. He's like, I'm not hearing the sound of the power of the Holy Spirit showing itself in their marriage, in their families, in their workplace, or even in their city and region. I don't, I don't hear it. And he says, there's something here. Let me ask you a question. You guys are great. I know God loves you. I know you're blessed. And I know if you were to die today, you'd probably go to heaven. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answer him. They say, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Now, listen, they were disciples of John the Baptist. Let me describe to you what they're saying here, because they're not saying what we read in that particular text. John the Baptist taught about the Holy Spirit. He actually said that there would come one that would come after him, Jesus, who would baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. He actually shares that, and this was a part of his teaching. He actually said, this Jesus will give the Spirit without measure. John chapter 2. I mean, he's, he's taught on the Holy Spirit. So they knew that the Holy Spirit existed. 
They just, when they say, we didn't even know, hear about the Holy Spirit, what they were saying is that we didn't know that the Holy Spirit could come into our lives and it could have, he could have that type of impact where his power is displayed, where we are genuinely touched and transformed by him. We didn't know that that was possible for us. And so he asked them, well, what have you been baptized? John's baptism. He said, that's a great one. It was a baptism of repentance pointing to Jesus. And so what happens is that Paul's question of did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, it starts to get addressed when two things happen. When he attunes them by allowing them to get water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's preaching the gospel to him. He says, hey guys, you missed this, but Jesus actually came. In fact, Jesus is God As John told you, he became a man, and he actually lived an incredible life, healing people, never sinning. He did. He was perfectly righteous. Nothing was ever wrong with Jesus, but yet he died an innocent death where he was placed on the cross, and he died that not because of his own sin, but because of yours. And if you put your trust and you believe in him, man, he'll give you salvation. Because Jesus, after three days, was raised from the dead, and he appeared to us for 40 days, and then he ascended. He ascended on high, and now he's seated on the throne, living forever, and he sent his Holy Spirit to us so that we could actually see the works of Jesus continued in our lives, everything we saw. And he shares this with them, and when he shares this with them, their hearts are not like, hey... I'm okay. I already know I'm good. Hey, I'm, I, John's baptism's great. That's good enough for me. I don't need anything else. I don't, I, I'm fine with the gifts. I'm fine with the way my prayers have been answered thus far. They don't say that. They're wide open. They say, you know what? We've been longing for more of Jesus. We've been longing for more of God. Yes, and it says that he baptizes them in water. And they receive a newness of life. And then after that, when they come out of the water, he places his hands on them. And they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It's the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the first disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in this language that they never learned before. And they start prophesying and speaking. The will of God and the heart of God declaring it. Now, all of a sudden, literally, they have a sound that's attuned to heaven. They're attuned, vibrating. Their lives are reflecting the sound that Paul was looking for because he knew God wanted them to have that sound. Because he knew what needed to happen next. Which was the last word here, a sign. A sign. To a point as to a post of duty. Here you have these men, they're dwelling in some particular place in Ephesus. And we know that they're not necessarily in the center where all the activity is. And we know that because Paul takes these men and he brings them right into the center where the synagogues are, where the temples are, 
And there he's sharing the good news there. They get upset with him, some of the Jews at that particular point. And then he places them into a school, the school of Tyrannius. And there they finally find their assignment. Now here's the thing is that before they had experienced this realigning, before they had been attuned, they were happy with each other. I mean, they were enjoying one another. You know, it was kind of like this, what we call like a holy huddle. It was like, we're going to all stay together with each other. We forget about the lost people. We're not even thinking about them. Like we're good ourselves. And then Paul takes them and he says, no, you have something in you that is going to be a blessing to other people in this city, in this region. And so I'm bringing you to this particular place now, and we're going to see many people touch. And you know what happens is day after day as they're sharing the good news, I tell you, for years, two years, they're sharing it. And many people come to Christ. In fact, you know what happens? They start to influence the different power centers of that city. They started to influence business. I mean, the, one of the most profitable businesses there was idol making. Think about that for a second. Is that still profitable today? If you understand the concept of idol, that is not just a statue, but it can actually be money. It could be significance, like prestige. It could be a number of other things, comfort, and they, because of what they were sharing and the lives they were living with the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives now, they were, reverber- they were vibrating at that particular sound. Now they were influencing business. They were influencing education. Education happened a little bit differently there. It was like two, two kind of streams of it, which you would normally know is a, what we call reading, ra- writing, and arithmetic. But they were also being educated in the dark arts. They had lots of witchcraft books. If you go on to read this past this passage, a lot of witchcraft, and what happened is they burned them. They burned them all. So they were influencing education and social relationships and government, and all of these different areas were being influenced by these people who had now been aligned, they had been attuned, and now they were assigned, and they were in the place that God called them to be. Power centers being influenced because of that. It's amazing. They weren't just content with being where they were, but God brought them to the place where they could start to see the expression of the power of the Holy Spirit. The reality of it is, if we want to see God really touch the city, we need to be in places of influence. We need to be in places, we need to consider the places we have that we're in right now as opportunities to see the light of God shine. Your workplace, your, your neighborhood, your neighbors, with your neighbors, you know, with some of the extracurricular things that you like to do. Some of you like exercise. Some of you like a, going to a particular place, a particular restaurant all the time. All of these different things, we have to see them as opportunities because they are your assignment. It's where God's assigning you. Some of y'all are like, well, God, I just want you to assign me to Bermuda, you know. <laughs> like, why not? I want to go there. It's not, but God, listen, God has assi- assigned you to a great 
powerful, influential city called Chicago. And in your particular place, you are going to, you, God's calling you to make a difference right where you are. I was praying uh, this morning about this. And, I mean, you see Paul, he just, he does some amazing signs and wonders in that particular place because he stepped out. Because he said, you know what, we're going to be right in the middle of this place where everyone else has different opinions. I mean, they worship Diana, they worship idols, they worship all of these. Lots of people cross paths, lots of culture, lots of music, lots of different style. But they said, we are going to live in this particular way for Jesus and proclaim his good news to people, share his love. And they made an incredible impact. And I was praying for you this morning. And I said, God, you know, what's the word for them? Like, give me, give me something to share with them as a church. And what, he gave me a few things, and I'll share them with you. Remember I said two years was important? The Lord, the Lord spoke to me, and he, and he said, if you put your roots down here for two years, and you make a decision to consistently pray for the people that you come in contact with, a lot regularly you make a decision to do that you pray for them and you look for opportunities to share that God is going to do some things that blow your mind that you're going to see healings you're going to see people get set free from their depression from from being confused their sickness and and, and multiplicity of other things financial situations uh, things where they feel stuck at jo- in jobs and it is going to have an incredible impact Um, over this place. But he says, give him wholeheartedly two years. Two years. I I just think we're going to see an incredibly different thing. And and here's the thing about this is that that our joy is complete when we see others come to Christ and thriving in Jesus. The, the, The thing is, is like, we want joy because we've got a certain amount of money or we have, you know, things are going right for us on the job or all these different things. And honestly, that is a part of joy. I'm not saying that it's not, but it's incomplete until we see others knowing God, loving him, becoming disciples. Here's another thing he spoke to me. Two years, give him two years. The other thing he said is he said, these people are like Gideon. You can look at this last slide here. We can put this up. Look at that. The mighty second city church. (laughs) Praise God. That's who you are. Now, some of you are in that picture right there. You know, that we're here. this is our spiritual gifts training right here that we did. And we were able to identify our spiritual gifts. And I love this because this is so, such a picture of what God is doing and what God wants to propel us towards. Here's, here's what he said to me. He said, many of us are threshing wheat in the wine press. Now, that may not make any sense to you, but I want to share what that means. Is that Gideon was afraid of the Midianites. And this is in Judges chapter 6, if you want to read the story later. But he was afraid of them. Because they were oppressive and they would come oftentimes and they would steal the fruit 
steal the harvest that they, the people had worked so hard for. So the way that Gideon dealt with that is he went down into a cave and the wine press, because wine is best pressed down there in the lower parts. And he would, he would, and he started basically uh, winnowing and, and, um, and, and threshing wheat. Now there's a problem with that. If you're going to thresh wheat correctly, which means you're removing the grain from the stalk, you actually need a little bit of motion and you need some wind. So the scholars say it's best to thrust wheat on the mountain. And here he is in the cave. And what that means for us practically is that some of us have been looking to have a harvest. And it's been so difficult because we have been not properly placed. We've been threshing in a wine press, in a, pray, in a place and in a, in a, in a, where we're not public, where we're not actually sharing God's love and we're not seeing a harvest and we're like, wow, this is difficult, this is hard, but it's because we're not actually on the mountain. We're not in the place that we're supposed to be where we're, we're assigned, where, where there's God, the wind of God's able to blow because we're public, we're out there, we're letting people know about who we are and what we believe in. And when that happens, there's going to be a wind that starts to blow and that separates the harvest out and there's going to be incredible fruit in your life. The Lord says, don't, don't, don't be that wine presses for wine. That's a good thing too. Wine's a good thing. How many of you think wine's a good, you know, but wheat, wheat needs something entirely different. And this is what he spoke to them. He said, he said, Gideon, you've been in this cave, but I want to tell you something. You're a mighty man of God. And that's what I hear God saying. Second City Church, this is a mighty church of God. You are mighty. And Gideon thought, oh, God, well, what about this? What about that? All these different things. And he said, you're mighty. Why are you mighty? Because of what I'm going to do through you and in you. All you have to do is cooperate with me. But I'm going to do the heavy lifting, the hard work. The story goes on that there were 30,000 men gathered against this massive army of Midianites that was dwindled down to 300. And God himself came in and created a confusion that started to cause their enemies to go to the left and the right and to be scattered. And they had the victory. They proved that they were mighty through trusting in God and seeing his might come into the situation. God's going to bring his might into your situation because you, God says, you are mighty. And there's going to be a great harvest. There's going to be many souls, many people who turn around. I mean, they would have ended up on, on some show. Like when I was growing up, it was like, uh, it was the, it was like, uh, the Donahue show or, you know, some, some other crazy show. I'm trying to think of with Jerry Springer. Yeah. You know, one of those crazy scenarios. But because you are in their lives, they're able to actually set up a godly legacy for their kids. And they're able to see the life of God, if even if they never get married, see the life of God overtake them and really make an impact. I want to take a moment to pray for us over those words. This church is, is a mighty church, mighty. 
And you say, well, I feel like that doesn't include me. No, it does. I'm speaking directly to each and every single person here. But you're a part of that. You're not disqualified by anything. When God speaks that word, what qualifies you is not even what you have. It's what God is. He's God. And it's what he's going to do for you. All he simply needs is your faith. Will you trust him? Will you be faithful? Will you respond to him? Father, I thank you for every person here. I sense a groundswell taking place at Second City Church. Sometimes it feels, it can feel a little disconnected and disjointed. Many people in here feel like they're not connected or isolated. But Lord, I thank you that you're moving in their midst beyond what they can ever imagine or think. That there is a swelling up that's going to take place that's going to break and overturn every structure, every demonic, oppressive thing that has tried to keep these people down. Lord, for you've declared that they're mighty, that they're mighty, and that great things are going to come out of their lives, that they'll no longer thresh wheat in the cave, but on the mountaintop. And a great harvest will come through their lives. Many people impacted by the gospel. They themselves filled with your spirit. Aligned and attuned and assigned in your purposes. I just sense that there's someone in here today that you've This is all kind of new to you. You're saying, God, I just don't know if this is me. I hear you saying that in your mind. And I hear God saying, my child, I've called you. I've called you into this place because I want to do some great things through you and I want to minister to your heart I want to heal you of your deep feelings of undervaluing yourself the deep confusion you have I feel God speaking right into your heart he's calling you to himself come closer to me and come closer to my people there's another person in here it's like you have not been able to sleep you've had issues sleeping there's been so many things racing through your mind and I just speak and decree that there'll be a peace a calmness that will come to you and that there'll be a focus and a rest that overtakes you that you'll be able to enjoy him experience Jesus there's some of you in here that you've just said I'm just kind of checking things out I don't know if I want to take that step to be a sign and 
and be serving in a particular place. But I hear God saying that this is one of the ways that he's going to help you to understand more about this season in your life and the purpose he has for you. And he's going to give you a greater level of clarity even as you step out and you serve. I feel like you should come prepared for this volunteer fair that's going to happen. But God's going to speak to you. He's going to show you. There's a group of you in here that you have felt pressure from every side in your workplace or in your school. I want to pray that you have the right tune, the supernatural strength to speak out. That, that's you. I, I feel like I want you to, to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Where there's work, tremendous pressure. Yes. Is there anyone else in here? Jesus is coming to lift burdens this morning. Lord, I thank you for lifting the burdens and I thank you that you said that greater is he that is in these, your children and this family than anything, any other pressure that's in the world. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that the enemy would be pushed back, would be broken. His power would be shattered. Lord, and there would be a new wind of your grace on each and every individual here. Lord, I pray that they would stand strong with their heads held high, not out of pride, but out of what you've done in their hearts and their lives. Lord, there's been some individuals where their bosses particularly have afflicted them. Lord, we cut that off in Jesus' name. There's been some where there's been a friend, there's been a group of individuals that have just put pressure on you. We come against that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I declare your freedom over this people and that they're a mighty, 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 mighty church, a mighty people in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for one last group here. There's Some of you are like these disciples. You've heard a little bit about the gospel, but you have never heard it in full. and You've never actually received and put your faith in Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, I receive what you sacrificed for me on the cross, your own life. I received the work that you did, taking my sin on yourself and exchanging it and being willing to give me the gift of righteousness. Where it's not about what I do, it's not about my performance, but it's about your performance and what you did for me. It's about my faith in you and the work of grace that you've done on my behalf. The power, the salvation, being rescued from sin and death and hell. There's some of you in here that's that's never happened for you before. And if you say today, I want that to happen, I want to know God, I want to be in relationship with him and receive this free gift of salvation that he purchased for me through his sacrifice. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. Is there anyone like that in here? There's anyone in here that says, I'm not sure. If I were to die today, whether I would be in heaven. 
If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. You can be sure today. You can be secure. Is there anyone else? I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You can be secure in your faith. I want you to just repeat this after me. Pray to God before the Lord. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and creating me. I confess that I'm a sinner. That I've gone my own way. Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I can have eternal life. Thank you for raising from the dead so that I can be assured that that will happen to me as well. Holy Spirit, take my life and help me to follow Jesus and to know him. Pray this in your name. Thank you that I'm sure that I have eternal life. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Can everybody give Jesus Christ a hand clap, please? (laughs) Well, this is what we're here for, right? to engage God, to encounter God, to grow in the knowledge of God, but then to be touched and changed by him. Isn't that the purpose of our coming together and our worship of him? That we grow in the knowledge of God, we be touched and changed by him, and then we go out getting his perspective and then his purpose. We go out in his purpose together. And so what we're going to do now is, if everybody could rise to your feet, we're going to go back into a moment of worship where we actually get to give God Almighty the honor and the glory that he deserves. And then afterwards, as we said, as we end our time of worship, we are going to have a moment of prayer so that anybody who would like somebody to stand with them, encourage them in the things of God, in not only the perspective of God, but the purpose of God, they might be encouraged by a word from God, where God said he gives us his gifts for our strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, that we might walk out in his perspective and have strength to carry out his purposes together in Jesus' mighty name, okay? So let's honor God. Focus your hearts on him. Focus your minds on him. Give him what he's unworthy of and give him what he's due. And as we worship him, as we engage him, let's believe to receive him, receive from him, and also be changed by him as we leave this place in Jesus' name.